You're listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats. We got a banger for you today. We have Jason. How do you say your last name? Langstorf. 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 <laughs> From uh, the Gatsby team, who's going to talk to us all about today uh, about Gatsby themes, which is something I am pretty excited about. With me also, as always, is Mr. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, I'm doing super good. I uh, just got off the weekend. It was Mother's Day this weekend, and my lovely son decided to get his mother a whole lot of throw up for Mother's Day. Oh. And he, he let it let it loose on her. And uh, that's how our Mother's Day went. But <laughs> I hope <laughs> I hope you, you, yours all went better than that. <laughs> yeah, mine went mine went pretty smoothly. So I'm thankful for no throw up. <laughs> uh, today, we've got two awesome sponsors. We got Log Rocket, which is going to track all of the errors and how they happen. They can play them back to you and you can see exactly what went wrong on your website. And FreshBooks, which is your cloud accounting, is going to invoice expenses, time tracking, all that stuff. If you are a freelancer, or small business, talk about them partway through the show. So hello, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well and I'm uh, I'm super flattered to get the invite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just started having people on the podcast. And uh, so far, the response has been really receptive. We're obviously uh, a little guarded as to who we let on, but Gatsby's got deep pockets, so they paid us enough money to let you on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a, a disclaimer, Gatsby did not pay us. So yeah. uh, uh, that, that was a joke. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. Jason, you are only our, our fourth guest ever on this show. So uh, definitely we are, uh, we keep it pretty stingy around here in terms of Yeah, guests. I'm, I'm aware I've, I've actually, uh, like I, I kind of had written off the opportunity to get on syntax cause I was like, oh yeah, I'm not in that, uh, not in that class of guests. So I'm, like I said, I'm super <laughs> flattered to, to get the invite. Oh no, awesome. we're happy to have you. Yeah. So do you want to like maybe kick us off? Tell us about, about yourself, who you are, where you live, what you do, anything else you, you find interesting? Sure. Yeah. So I uh, I work at Gatsby. I think my my official title is is head of DevRel, but I also tend to do a bunch of other things. So I always joke that my my real job title is human duct tape. I live in <laughs> Portland, Oregon, and uh, yeah, I I don't know. I've been been doing this for a long time, but I kind of stumbled into it through music. And so I, I was in a band and kind of learned to to do web development and design as part of a trying to like build a street team and keep this, keep this band from failing. Cause we didn't have any music to or any money to hire help. So, <laughs> so, you oh know, man, that's, that's actually funny because, uh, Wes and I both started because of our bands and almost everybody uh, did. I think. Yeah. The second guest we had on this show, Travis Nielsen, he also started because of his band and everybody, we, you, you make music. It's a creative endeavor. Next thing you know, you need a website, you're pumping out some stuff and then Next thing you know, you're a web dev. That's that, that's our stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and in my case, it was like I, I realized somewhere about two thirds of the way through the band that I was like, man, I'm actually a terrible musician, but I'm not so bad at this web stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only learned that halfway through music school. I did not learn, learn that before. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, besides being like a, uh, someone who we can complain to on Twitter, like what does a, a dev rel do? I know that probably a lot of our, our audience will know what they do, but let explain this to it real quick. Yeah. So I don't know what I do. What Developer do I do? Developer relations <laughs> is the word, right? 
Yeah, developer relations, or uh, you might hear it called like community evangelism, or something. You know, there there are a lot of different ways that uh, that this ter- that this role gets rolled up. But ultimately, my job, I guess, is to be kind of an ambassador for for the Gatsby community. We have some core values that are all really heavily centered around the Gatsby community. Gatsby is an open source project first and a, a business second, and so taking care of our community is the like primary directive because without the community Gatsby fails like instantly. Mm-hmm. So my job is to do things like I as you mentioned I I kind of follow around on Twitter, make sure that people aren't stuck. If they do get stuck, I try to to jump in and help and point them to resources. I build a lot of examples. Uh, so if you want to see a proof of concept of a thing, more than likely it'll be me or somebody on my team that's that's kind of putting together a little proof of concept of how that works. Uh, I write a little bit. I I, I don't do as much writing as I used to. We've just hired Marcy Sutton as our head of learning. So she's taken over a lot of that work um, and she is far better at it than I, than I could ever be. So uh, we're super happy to have her on. And yeah, other than that, I, you know, I like, I run a live stream and and it's just kind of like, Hey, let's, let's get together with somebody else in the community who's smarter than me and like build a, build something together. And, and we typically use Gatsby as kind of the, the jump off point for that. But, you know, we've, we've done, all sorts of cool things. But yeah, ultimately, I guess my job is to like be nice to people, like try to set a good example <laughs> in the community and, you know, be be the kind of be the like build the kind of community that we want to see at Gatsby. It's funny that you say that, though, but that, that's like probably one thing that I've definitely noticed about the Gatsby community is everybody is very uh, kind, very approachable, very responsive. I don't know. Obviously, that probably comes as a core value of the project, because uh, anybody who I interface with on that, especially like this thing doesn't work. I've got a workshop next week and it just gets fixed immediately. And people are very kind about it. And people are always willing to take the time. I think it's like so cool that uh, you can do that with an open source project. Yeah. For me personally, like I one of my first videos on Gatsby was like pre release of like a pre completion of Gatsby. And I think I did like a not necessarily like an unboxing, but like, here's an introduction to this cool thing that's that's happening right now. And it's going to be coming down the line and, and becoming a little bit more popular here. And Kyle specifically like tweeted it out like right after I posted it. And I was thinking like, I I just released this this little video and here the, the Gatsby team is already getting behind my content. And, and they've been so good about that the entire time I've ever worked on or produced Gatsby content. And you know, me personally, as a content creator, that signals to me that I should continue to do Gatsby stuff because the Gatsby team, the Gatsby project, they're going to support my work and they're going to share my learning resources. That to me, it makes me want to work hard for Gatsby to, to share the share the love. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, you you mentioned it, Wes. It is one of our core values. We we've kind of boiled it down into an aphorism. We just say you belong here. And so at at any given point, we're kind of driving from the standpoint of anybody who shows up into open source belongs in open source and they deserve to be treated with, you know, respect and, and, you know, welcoming. And we need to be looking at, at anybody who comes in and trying to meet them where they're at and not being upset if they don't know things that we feel like they should know or not being inconvenienced if if our stuff breaks at a time that's not great for them always trying to be as like welcoming and and just open as we can be because we know that like 
open source is one of those things that if you show up to an open source project, it's a really weird feeling because you're basically showing up into a room full of strangers and, you know, kind of without asking, just touching their stuff and opening a pull request and saying, here's, you know, here's my idea. And if your first experience doing that is somebody like closing it and just saying wrong or like ignoring it for three weeks or or maybe never responding, the chances of you wanting to come back and do more of that are, are really low. And so mm-hmm. we kind of look at it as like every, you know, our social media presence, the, the, the repo, the way that we treat people who talk about Gatsby, all of that is an extension of, of open source and community. And so we want to make sure that if you, if you do take the time to, to put that work out there, like we want to, we want to notice, we want to say, thank you. We want to um, make sure that you're not shouting into the void, you know? Yeah. I, I think that is a big thing because I mean, I picked up Django and I went into like a Django IRC room and there was like a bunch of core contributors being rude to people trying to learn or saying, OK, you're using the wrong version of Python without like giving access to correct docs or things like that. And that, to be honest, turned me off of Django for maybe forever. To be honest, if I picked up Python again, I'd probably go look at Flask instead just because I had such a, a sour experience with some of the some of the people running the project. And and I think that is it's just a key component of getting people to be really on board with you guys. And it's it, I think you guys do a great job of it. Some of the, the best I've seen, to be honest. <laughs> well, that makes me feel great. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it, it, I awesome. love it because our community kind of like it's a really good virtuous cycle because we you know, we wrote down these values, but the community was already like this, like the, the open source project Gatsby was wonderful before the company existed. So we just were trying to like live up to the standards, the company, the community had set. And then, you know, we, the community mirrors us and we mirror the community and we just, I feel like everybody's making everybody better. It's really nice. Great. Well, let's jump into quick Gatsby refresher. I'm going to go through this super quick because I, I'm, we have had, I think two shows on, on just, well, we have one on static site generators, uh, yeah. which is episode 34. And then we also did a, I think one of our more popular episodes this year, which was Gatsby versus Next. And we just broke down the ideas between those two because Gatsby is a React-based framework and, and so is Next.js, but they're, they're very different things. So we broke down how each of those work. So go back to those episodes if you want to listen to to the core idea. But I'm going to run through everything real quick. Um, so Gatsby is a statically generated website, web app. Next point I have here is that it's it generates HTML files, which is great. Once you load the page, Gatsby picks it up again and then rehydrates it into a full-blown React application where you can then do things like loading pages on demand and, and transitions and all that stuff. One of the really cool things about Gatsby is that it, everything is sort of backed by a GraphQL API. I always say everything goes through Gatsby, meaning that your your images, your CSS, all of your data. And because everything is sourced through Gatsby, you have this amazing ecosystem mm. of plugins that allow you to, I think that's the, the real power behind Gatsby is you can compress images, you can do really nifty preloading things without really knowing what you're doing. And it just works amazingly, transpiling CSS, converting Markdown. All of that kind of cool stuff is just backed by the sheer fact that all of the stuff needs to first go through the GraphQL API. Yeah, if you want to if you want to knock someone's socks off with Gatsby really quickly, you just show them the image component where it generates an image, maybe a blurry image and fades in the other one or even better, an SVG image that then fades in their image once it loads to give this insanely fast perceived loading time, even with decently sized images. That's like one of those, those key examples that I always show people when working with Gatsby. It's like, look, look at how easy it makes some of this stuff. Look at how easy it makes this, you know? 
Next up, we have the kind of there's three files behind Gatsby, and I think it's probably worth knowing about these files as we get into what themes are. So there's a Gatsby config file, which determines you kind of say what plugins you'd like to use, as well as some other site metadata that goes in there and uh, all, all the settings as to how your plugins work, that, that all goes in there. Then you have a Gatsby node, which is a this runs at build time and it will allow you to hook into different points during the Gatsby build. In there, you can do things like source content, dynamically create pages, uh, create links, things like that. And then finally, you have your Gatsby browser, which contains code that runs in the browser. Mm -hmm. And you can, I actually don't use this all my all that much myself, but you oh, can I hook do. into things like yeah. routing, service workers, running. What do you use it for, Scott? Animations. Oh, it allows you to sort of you can you could build a wrapping component that wraps around things, because when Gatsby moved to Gatsby version two, uh, you now have maybe a little bit the entire page refreshes right when you go on to a new page, essentially, in terms of yep. the components that you use. So even if you have your layout there, you can't just wrap something in an animation. So this gives you the opportunity to wrap the entire route change in an animation. So, yeah. Oh, uh, so you can go a bit higher because like in yeah. Next.js, we have the underscore document and the underscore app. And these are the higher level than your page. And at a, a Gatsby level, I thought that the highest you could go was was a page. But by using these, you can you can maintain that component while you could you register pages. like a wrapper and have that wrapper do stuff. You could also and is that where you you, you could also your, throw like, in state? providers and things like that at that Provide. level. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So Gatsby browser runs on the, the client side and then Gatsby SSR does what would be client side things during the server side render. So it's a way to, mm. for example, if you were going to wrap a provider around something to get like an initial state or to do yep. things that, w or if you needed to like make sure that your, your client side stuff doesn't break because you're using a provider during server side rendering, you can stub it out or something. Ah, cool. That's good. All right. So uh, that's the 101 of, of how Gatsby works. And uh, what you're here today to tell us about is is Gatsby themes, because um, like maybe start us off with like, how do you currently do layouts in Gatsby and, and what are Gatsby themes? I actually haven't looked all that much into it because I've kind of been waiting to to talk to you on this about it here. Sure. So these are, layouts is you have either a starter, which is kind of like a pre-built Gatsby site that you would run Gatsby new or you would clone and then you end up with kind of like a, the, this is your config. All the plugins are there and the the like various settings. So you have to go in and edit that. And, you know, that that's worked fairly well. But the, the downside is that it's really difficult to do things like get upstream updates. Right. So if you if you're using a starter and that starter changes, you would have to manually port any changes pretty much as soon as you run Gatsby new because it's like creating a fresh clone. It deletes the Git history and everything mm -hmm. so that you have your own. So the way that we're doing it in Gatsby themes, Gatsby themes are effectively just plugins, but they're plugins that can install other plugins. So the way that that would work is like, for example, if I wanted to build a theme for a blog to build a blog site, you would need to install, like, let's say I'm going to use MDX. I would need to install Gatsby MDX. I would need to install the file system. I'd need to install some image processing um, and a handful of other plugins, something to style it with. And all of that then lives in my Gatsby config with a theme and a blog theme. I can install all of those things into a Gatsby config. I can build the templates. I can set up some base styles. I can, you know, set up the, the, where the content is going to be sourced from. And then I can take all of that and I can package it into like an NPM module. Then 
I can NPM install my theme as a Gatsby plugin. And that plugin then has all of the, the stuff pre-configured so that theoretically speaking, I could have a, a whole Gatsby site that runs where I've got a folder called posts and that's got MDX files in it. And I've got a Gatsby config that installs the theme and that's it. There's no, no other code required to run that blog. Hmm. So is there an opportunity for multiple themes? Does that make any sense or is, is that totally yep. off base? Yeah. So, so that's actually what I think is the most exciting thing about Gatsby themes is that, um, they're composable. So mm. you can horizontally compose them. So like if you installed the blog theme and then later you want to do ins- like set up a, a shop, you're not having to mm-hmm. find a, a theme that does blog and e-commerce. You just find an e-commerce theme and install that as well. And then mm. now you have like a blog and an e-commerce site, both set up on your, on your like simple Gatsby config. Again, no code written. You're just, you know, you're just pulling content from where it needs to come from. And then what makes this really exciting is that if you want to vertically, uh, vertically compose themes, you can say, take your blog and your e-commerce theme and then put both of them underneath a like style theme that sets design tokens or overrides the header selectively. We have this thing called component shadowing, where if you've got a theme and let's say that theme has like a header component, a post component and a footer component, and you wanted mm-hmm. to swap out the header, you can you can selectively shadow just the header component in your your site or a child theme. And it gets all the same props as the header component in the theme, mm. but you can completely override it, including like you can do cool stuff like import the theme header and just add some new props to it so that it looks different or behaves differently than it would before. Are you familiar with how WordPress works in themes? Yeah, it's it's yeah. really similar in uh, in a lot of ways to how WordPress themes work. But there's mm-hmm. no um, without like the kind of global nature of WordPress themes where you're calling like, you know, global magic functions. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, it's it's really similar in that in that sense. The major benefit here is that it's like WordPress themes. If you could install multiple WordPress themes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's neat. And they WordPress themes that can have dependencies and, yeah. and logic inside, because sometimes you see that with with WordPress themes is they just jam everything in or they say, like, make sure you've installed these eight other plugins because <laughs> yeah, there's no right, right. no concept <laughs> of of dependencies in in WordPress land. Mm-hmm. That's really cool because like I had a Gatsby workshop a couple of weeks ago and uh, people were asking about plugins and I was like, well, let, let, let's just crack one open. And I was like, it's just a Gatsby node. And like it's it's not anything that you weren't already doing in your your Gatsby website. It's just that you took all of this, like these things that were related and and possibly complex and you put it into its own plugin or in in our case now, we're just going to call it a theme and you can package it up so that it's easily installable and it also can live in like a a separate repo. I imagine this would be super helpful for somebody who like an agency that needs to reuse uh, a certain theme over and over again or reuse a set of functionality over and over again. Yeah, because what's really exciting about this is like you could create like a Gatsby theme opt in or something. And that would be like a way to have a bunch of base config and controls for just an opt in component that you could then mm-hmm. drop in anywhere on on any other part of a site. So you can you can almost use it as like a an even higher powered um, design system, because in, in addition to packaging up components and styles, you can also package up functionality and data handling. Oh, yeah, because. I, I'm gonna. I'll probably bring it a lot back to WordPress, but I think that's a lot of our our users are currently moving from WordPress land to 
JavaScript headless land and Gatsby is like the, mm-hmm. the main thing there. The thing about like WordPress themes, you can put functionality, but that's not really what they're for. You should probably put that into a plugin. With this, you can you can just package up how it gets its data, how it transforms its data and how it displays it all in, in one go. Is that true? Yeah. And depending on how you structure your themes, like you can you can get a piece from each thing. So it's probably a little early to talk about it, but we've we've got some ideas around what we're calling data abstraction, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is going to mm-hmm. be really exciting. But, you know, the it, it all kind of boils down to this idea, which I think is pre- is fairly present in Gatsby already. And we just want to improve it with this next iteration, which is um, a teaching concept called the progressive disclosure of complexity. And what that means is that we're trying to set the abstractions in the right place so that somebody who doesn't care how Gatsby works doesn't have Mm -hmm. to care. They can just say, I want a blog and I want to write Markdown. And so I'm going to install Gatsby theme, you know, blog Markdown and I'm going to have a folder full of posts and I have a blog. I don't have to care like how that works. It just works. And then for somebody who wants to go deeper, they can selectively remove abstractions. So instead of having to go from like zero to a hundred, where if you, you know, with, with some apps, you get like a, a great boilerplate, but as soon as you want to move beyond what it does, you have to kind of eject the whole thing. And now you're dealing with like all of the config with progressive disclosure of complexity. You're able to say, well, I want to change one piece. And then you can selectively eject that one piece and change it. So you get to kind of choose your own adventure. If you don't want to deal with GraphQL, no big deal. You don't have to. But if you want to customize that query and do some custom components, absolutely. Like just pull that out. If you want to drive all the way down into the Webpacker Babel config, 100%. We got APIs for you to do that. But you should never have to as a developer. You know, we're, we're ultimately thinking like we'd love to see this be something that designers could use without ever having to write any code. They can just kind of install the right themes and then set design tokens and, and make these like beautiful websites without having to write GraphQL queries or figure out how React components work. There's going to be tweaking. Yeah, I think that's such a huge thing. And we, we've talked about a lot on this this show in particular about how we're not fans of doing the complex sort of boring stuff that you have to do in web development that we all just sort of accepted as like, this is config you have to deal with. This is stuff you have to deal with. But yeah. in reality, things are, are getting a ton easier on all the fronts just by simply uh, making the hard stuff very easy. And in your case, you can, like you mentioned, the progressiveness of it, the being able to will only pull out the the harder things, the the deeper layers as you need to go. And I think that's absolutely fascinating because again, like you, you mentioned having to eject from a platform and then you're left with the entire config and having to deal with that entire config can be really super daunting. And especially if you just wanted to install like I, I, this is an out out of date example but in an older version of what's it called a uh, create react app you had to eject to install sas and a lot of people wanted to use sas so then you're ejecting really quickly and then you've lost sort of all of the benefits of having that initial platform and you're sort of stuck having to learn webpack if you don't know it already so i'm absolutely fascinated by that progressiveness of that i think that's something that not a lot of people are doing in any sort of way like that and it's something that I think Gatsby does very well overall already. So the fact that it's just going to get more like that, especially with themes here, I'm very excited to hear about that. Hey, Wes, I wanted to take a quick break to do a sponsor now. I think it's probably a good time for that. Yeah. 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So really quick, I wanted to dive into a sponsor break. If if you want to reduce some of the complexity in your error handling, uh, you'll want to check out one of our sponsors, which is LogRocket. Now, LogRocket gives you 
sort of a view under the veil of all of the errors and bugs that are happening on your website as the users are experiencing them yourselves. You get a play-by-play session replay that gives you all of the network tab. It gives you the console. It gives you the DOM. It gives you your Redux store at the time the user hit the bug along with a video so you can see exactly what happened when a user clicked something and the whole thing blew up. Maybe they clicked the wrong pixel and that pixel disintegrated your website. So LogRocket is going to allow you to trace, (laughs) find that error, and see exactly what's happening. So you're going to want to check out LogRocket at LogRocket.com forward slash syntax, and you will get 14 days for free. So again, LogRocket.com forward slash syntax. Try it out and see why this is the best way to get the visual insight into the errors and bugs that are happening on your website. Cool. So if you obviously don't have to write a whole ton of code to get started, you're not going to have any errors. (laughs) So I think that's a a nice little goal of Gatsby themes here. (laughs) (laughs) So what I foresee is like somebody goes out and gets like a a real estate Gatsby theme or a, a car salesman Gatsby theme or something that integrates with Shopify or something like that. And, and once someone activates this thing, because it has functionality and UI that sort of comes along with it, I know Gatsby doesn't really cover like UI at all, right? Like it's not really the thing where like with WordPress, when you activate it, you might get like a settings panel. That's, I don't know, I'm sure if this is really a question or whatever, but that's more something for your CMS. Is that right? Well, so currently, yes. Like the, the way that Gatsby is built right now is like anything in the UI is in user land. One of the goals that we have for themes is that as we start moving through and seeing what the community is coming up with, that Mm -hmm. we'll start to see some, um, we want to see people start to solidify around some conventions for how we want to handle that with, with UIs. There are some ideas, uh, Jackson on our team, uh, Jackson black on Twitter is, uh, he is working on something that he's been calling like system UI and theme UI, which are, Mm. um, kind of utility libraries that set various tokens. Um, those could pretty easily be extracted into a like settings UI if you wanted to to make that a thing where you choose colors and set like fonts and the, you know, kind of the general spacing and stuff. So we're working on ideas for how to manage uh, the way that something would look. But yeah, as, as of right now, those are all pretty early ideas and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, you know, uh, we're hoping that it starts to solidify, but we're not quite sure what the community is going to kind of pick up and run with. Mm. What about like, a, is, there, is there any any chance that you're going to take a stab at uh, doing a headless CMS yourself? Or is that more something left to all of the different headless CMSs that are currently available? Like, I, I feel like I should never say never. I think at present, it doesn't seem like something that would be smart for us to prioritize. Like mm-hmm. at the moment, Gatsby's in this really great space where like what's good for Gatsby is kind of good for everybody connected to Gatsby. We yeah. are a tool that is like it makes headless CMSs more powerful. It's um, it gives you more flexibility as a developer. It you know allows you to integrate all of these third party tools really well. So if we start like launching a headless CMS now, suddenly we're we're kind of like putting a like putting a weird spin on that relationship. I think that yeah, we yeah. if we find like a very specific need that's like ultra niche for Gatsby, then sure, there might be a, a reason that we would start to do that. But I, ultimately, I think what we're aiming for instead is more of like 
how can we be really good at being like a layer of polish on top of the headless CMS experience? Okay. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we've been thus far. And I think what we, what we would like to continue to be as we go. Well, that's good for sponsors of this podcast. Then <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've like, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, we've had tons of, of sponsors on this podcast that are headless CMSs or Jamstack based e-commerce or, or anything like that. And uh, even if you go to the Jamstack conference, which Gatsby is always at, there's tons of, of companies that are sort of in that space right now trying to trying to make that work. And it's it, it's kind of funny because like Gatsby's the darling and then everybody else is sort of this this whole ecosystem is sort of built not necessarily just around Gatsby. It obviously works with with anything, any anything that you could possibly want to use. But uh, it certainly is mm-hmm. a very common use case. Yeah, I, it's honestly one of my favorite things about Gatsby. And one of the things that attracted me to the company is that it's it's a very non-competitive business model. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of see Gatsby as a tide that has a potential to lift all ships. And so if we continue to do the stuff that we're doing, every advance that we make makes like everybody in the headless CMS community better. And when they make advances, you know, we have the opportunity to kind of elevate the best ideas so that other headless CMSs have an opportunity to continue to innovate or, or kind of like find a way to be compatible with whatever new thing is coming out. Um, an example of that is uh, we have a, a product, our, our first commercial product is called Preview. And mm. the way that it works is that if you are working with a, a non-developer on your team and they don't want to have to run a local copy of Gatsby to see changes like as they're making content edits, then mm-hmm. Preview allows them to have like a private URL where they can see draft content kind of hot reload the same way that you would if you were developing locally with Gatsby. And in order to make that work, like, you know, the the headless CMS providers have to have like a webhook uh, set up so that they can notify us to, to pull in new content and all those sorts of things. But then like uh, a headless CMS like Sanity.io has come up with this whole new innovation where they are basically opening up a socket and just streaming changes. So it feels absolutely instantaneous to do that. And so by, you know, by them building that, that makes our product better by us building preview that makes their, you know, it puts like a better use case in place for their, for their feature. And hopefully we're Uh, seeing like more and more headless CMSs start to play with that idea. Yeah. Sanity's actually been a long time sponsor of syntax and we've been sort of talking with them for a long time. So uh, it's really great to hear how this, I don't know, this whole community is sort of growing together right now. And we've seen the growth firsthand from when we first started talking about sites like Gatsby to now where the Jamstack has just totally taken off in such a such a great way. And and like you mentioned, Wes, that Gatsby is like at the the darling of it. It's at the the very (laughs) forefront. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty neat to to see that. And by the way, we should say like, Sanity's not even sponsoring this episode, but I'm I'm happy to talk about it because they've obviously seen that pain point in people trying to to use these tools and they're just gung ho for for making this a smooth process because it is is a bit of a bumpy ride. People have been using their existing tools for for probably 10 years now. And now we start to see that we're not just moving to these types of websites because it's cool. I think the, the huge use case for moving to a headless jam stack with something like Gatsby is that it's is the performance, the actual user experience is going to be much faster. I think it's just like a better experience for the developer and the user at the end of the day. Do you think that? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, you know, the the thing that's really cool about all this is like it doesn't feel like we're racing people to get features to market. It feels like we are like in a, a brainstorming session with the entire Internet. You know, it's like we, <laughs> we sit around and, you know, we'll get in a we'll get on a call with Sanity and they'll be talking about something they're working on. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Like we want to do something like that. And so then we start like riffing on a, a like complimentary tool. Um, and that's been happening with with companies all over the place. And and again, you know, you you, you mentioned that Gatsby is kind of at the center of it or the darling. And I, I think that's explicitly because we see this as like a buoy for for other companies. And I think if we were standing there saying like, oh, yeah, we're going to take out headless CMSs or whatever, that suddenly becomes a significantly less welcoming environment to be in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I like it because it, it doesn't seem that there is there's obviously competitors to this type of thing, but it definitely seems like Gatsby is just standing out and uh, a lot of the industry is sort of rallying around it, which is cool. Yeah, I think one of the things, the reasons why that is, is just because of Gatsby's approach to the pain points of things that we all deal with. And I, I think they're very good about having ears open because, for instance, we we often talk about some of the the, the maybe the uh, the barriers to entry for something like Gatsby. Let's say you have a WordPress site and a lot of times the barriers to entry are not even necessary barrier to entry. But somebody might say, well, when I update my WordPress site, it updates automatically in the front. We don't have to wait for any sort of rebuild or anything like that without Gatsby. And now Gatsby's hearing that with this um, streaming idea of streaming data, you're seeing hot reloaded data, things like that. I just think that you guys have such a, a good understanding of what the community needs and are building and iterating upon that. It's, it's one of the most exciting aspects about the platform overall. All right, so quick break for one of our sponsors, which is FreshBooks. Kind of one reason why I'm so excited about this whole Gatsby thing is because I foresee the sort of industry of people who build small to medium-sized websites for clients. It's pretty big industry, and a lot of those people uh, currently work on on WordPress. And you were starting to see people move over to, to something like Gatsby. And when you want to bill people for those websites, you want to use FreshBooks. So go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax. That's going to get you a 30 day unrestricted free trial. You're going to bill all of your clients. You're going to send them when they don't pay you. It'll automatically send them update reminders that are not passive aggressive. You can log all of your expenses in there. You can keep track of how much time you spent working on all of your clients. Check it out at freshbooks.com forward slash syntax. So maybe that's a good question right here, uh, Jason. What do you think about WordPress? I love WordPress. I mean, that's how I made my living for, for almost a decade. Um, yeah. I had an agency after I got out of my band and, and was doing exactly what you just said, building websites for small to medium businesses, did that for, you know, a very long time, built a ton of websites and, and WordPress was almost always the tool of choice because it just had, it had the flexibility that I needed. You know, we, we set up a kind of like a really simple child or a base theme. And then we created a child theme of like bespoke everything for, for each client. Mm-hmm which is great. You know, it was a, a really powerful tool. And so I kind of, uh, you know, I, I still think it's a great admin interface. I think if they can, if they can work through the problems of this kind of Gutenberg turbulence, especially around mm. like the, the accessibility problems they've been having and, and kind of the, I, there just seems like a little bit of like PR weirdness around mm-hmm. uh, Gutenberg. So I think if they can weather that storm, I think that, that WordPress still has a great opportunity to be, if not an all-in-one solution, at least a really heavy player in the headless CMS space. That's really cool to hear. It's funny that 
you you sort of had the same grow up as as me as well. You go from music to sort of agency world. Do you see that Gatsby is gaining popularity in the agency small website space? Like like, or do you even know like what type of person is using Gatsby? Yeah, we're seeing agencies are actually one of the the bigger upticks in Gatsby usage, and and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. We had Brian Webster from Delicious Simplicity has has talked about this a lot, and at his agency, they were able to do this amazing thing where they were able to basically cut the cost of their bids in half, which meant that they would win more bids, but they were building so much faster because everything was portable that their their hourly billing went up. So oh, effectively, yeah. they were able to make more money by charging about half huh. because Gatsby cut so much of the the like boilerplate and DevOps and other other kind of um, yak shaving out of their their process, which is a, a really cool thing. But yeah, we've seen like some some of the really exciting ones, like um, Nike launched the Colin Kaepernick Just Do It campaign. The website for that was a Gatsby website built by an agency. We're seeing some uh, some really cool stuff from like, well, actually, I guess just like a lot of agencies are starting to use Gatsby as a, especially for like landing pages because it's so quick to get something up and out the yeah. door, but we're starting to see more and more advanced stuff. I mean, I, I, it's kind of on us as a company to, to do a better job of showing what's possible. So like, um, you know, like shop Flamingo, uh, from Harry's, the razor company, they just built like a really <laughs> cool e-commerce site with Gatsby. That's got like authentication and, and, you know, shopping, you can buy stuff. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, and that's a full Gatsby app. That's, not really agency. I guess that's that's just a company. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been really, really interesting to see. And I, I do think that the agency stuff is one of the big markets for for people who are going to get into Gatsby because of all the things you said, the the portability and the the like, you know, lack of yak shaving, all that good stuff. So the e- e-commerce bit, I think the our large part of our audience would be very interested to hear a little bit more about how people are doing e-commerce on Gatsby. I know one of the, uh, the developer on Level Up Tutorials, Eric, did a site, Ratio. It's built with Gatsby. I think he used Shopify with Gatsby. So there is a number of options between like Snipcart, Shopify. What sort of approach are you seeing a lot in the Gatsby e-commerce space? I think the one that we're seeing the most is Shopify. And I think that's because we have a canonical example open sourced. Mm-hmm. Um, our own swag store is a, a Gatsby app built on Shopify. And Which is zero. awesome swag, by the way, awesome and swag. super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cheaper than going to Target and buying a T-shirt. Just go buy a Gatsby shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we wanted to keep it like we we actually lose a little bit on it because we don't charge for shipping, but we wanted to keep it basically at cost, and and um, we did that because we first of all want everybody to be able to get Gatsby swag, um, and second of all because we give it away. Like anybody who contributes a PR or launches a tutorial or, or like helps out in the community. We, um, we give you a discount code for swag and invite you to join the the Gatsby org as a maintainer. Um, so that's like a, that's a big thing for us. And, and we wanted to make sure that the swag was something that people would actually want, which is why we put a little more effort into it and tried to get like really cool things from around the, you know, from a, for like a good ideas that we borrowed or just outright stole from other projects that are doing cool things and wanted to make sure we had items for women. Like we got a, a satin scrunchie and a, like a racerback dress, which I, the racerback dress I straight up stole from Tracy Lee, uh, from the, the node, uh, node swag store. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been like, it, that's the way to do it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Like, uh, yeah, no, I'm, definitely. I'm not going to try to invent the wheel. So it's really nice to just see what everybody's stoked about and be like, cool, let's do a Gatsby version of that. 
But yeah, to get back to your original question, the the e-commerce thing, because our swag store is open sourced, most people have been referring to that as kind of their starting point if they're doing e-commerce. I've also done a live stream with uh, with Thor from Stripe where he taught me how to uh, use it for like more simple cases. So if you were going to sell a one-off thing and didn't need a cart, then Stripe is really, really good for that. They also have like a full e-commerce solution that um, that I didn't play with that much, but it's uh, it, it looks like it's pretty full featured. So if you want to use Stripe instead of Shopify, there's also some some open source code out there, albeit a little a little more proof of concept. That's pretty interesting. I also heard of like there's always questions around like how big of a website is too big for Gatsby. You know, just because the the whole idea is that you do have to regenerate the entire website at some point. But I have heard of a couple of for people now. with many thousands of, of products and they do regenerate it uh, six, seven, eight times a day. I don't know. Do you have anything to, to say about that? Yeah. I mean, so I guess the the, the major things that are, are worth considering with Gatsby are like it depends on how quickly items go up and down, because mm-hmm. if the items stay fairly consistent and what you need to keep is like whether or not it's in stock and what the price is based on, you know, whatever sales or something, then you could statically render all of the products, but then dynamically pull in the inventory status and the price. Mm. And at that case, then you don't actually have a whole lot of rebuilds required because the you only need to rebuild when a product appears or disappears. Mm-hmm. So if you're comfortable showing a sold out for a while until it rebuilds again and and then it goes away, then you could run, you know, a huge number of products on a store where it would start to get kind of tricky is if you wanted to rebuild, you know, tens of thousands of project or products on every price change, every inventory change, you know, that that could get a little hairy. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we are working on. We've got a we've got a proof of concept right now in development of incremental builds, which Ooh, I'm oh, super excited about. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've been working with uh, Anthony Morcar, who is, uh, you know, one of those like kind of mad genius people. And he's been sitting and tinkering <laughs> with Gatsby for a long time. And he just he's been subtly making changes to the underlying code of Gatsby so that we can do like only rebuild what actually changed. So cool. some really, really powerful stuff is coming down the line that way. That's going to start to close that gap on whether or not, you know, you can run like if you want a million page site. Yeah, your first build is going to take forever. But after that, you'll only be rebuilding what actually changed. Sure. You mentioned that having e-commerce, the products be statically built, but the inventory be dynamic. Well, I was wondering a little bit about that dynamic aspect in Gatsby, because typically people think static, static, static. So like what it, does the Gatsby team have like a, the standard way of doing dynamic content, the way that they would prefer you even using things like the GraphQL APIs? Or do you recommend throwing another GraphQL way of connecting like Apollo or something into a Gatsby site? Or what's the suggested solution there? Uh, I've done it a couple ways. I think the the current most popular and probably best documented solution is to use Apollo. Mm -hmm. If you wrap your site in an Apollo provider, then you can do dynamic queries and like you can send mutations as well. So if you want to do rewrite from your, your website, you can Mm -hmm. Apollo makes that really easy. They've got great docs. They're a great team. Very helpful. I've also done it in way kludgier ways, like just installing Axios and, and firing off post requests. So, you know, you (laughs) you can do it whichever way makes the most sense to you, depending on how full featured your solution needs to be. Mm -hmm. So like I, the, the one where I did it kludgily, I just needed to submit one little feedback widget. And so I just used Axios so that I didn't have to install like a big library to make that work, or I guess bigger than Axios. 
And then for something like the swag store, I, I use the Apollo provider because that, that gives us way more flexibility and, and uh, allows us to use not exactly the same GraphQL APIs because the, the Gatsby GraphQL APIs only run during the build. We don't keep mm-hmm. those live. That's one of the benefits of Gatsby is like, once you've built the site, it just sits in a static asset folder. And that means that you've got like, in addition to the performance benefits, like lowered cost because you're not like maintaining or scaling a node server or database and also increased security because if somebody hacks a Gatsby site, there is no path to the server or to the database because they're just, it's just a bucket on a CDN. So they can deface mm-hmm. the site, but they can't like get to user data or anything. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. So I know you just got back from all hands meeting in New York with Gatsby. Is there any secret things you can tell us? Is there anything secret about Gatsby or uh, is it all just all open source? <laughs> no, we, we, uh, we, yeah, we don't really do a lot of secret. We, we do have <laughs> private repos for like the, the commercial part of the business, yeah. but you know, we, we had a Gatsby days where Kyle Matthews, the, the CEO basically fully announced what the, the commercial business goal is. And so, you know, we've got preview out now. We're trying to get preview to an open beta here really soon so that anybody who wants to can sign up and try it. And then, uh, to a general availability shortly after that. And then we've got, we want to get like a customized Gatsby build pipeline in place because our goal is to, in order to do those incremental builds, you mm-hmm. have to be able to like stand up parallel machines, which means that we need like Kubernetes clusters and these kind of auto scaling things. There's a lot of infrastructure that goes into it to actually make it fast. Oh, and yeah. in order to do that, we need to have like product that we can sell because it does, it's, it's like, otherwise you got to build it yourself and it's going to be really expensive and cumbersome and you're back to DevOps. So kind of what Gatsby's product is going to be is the same level of ease that you have to develop a Gatsby site locally. We want to create that same level of ease for like deploying and managing like on a, on a large team, a Gatsby site. Cool. What about, is there anything happening with queries right now in terms of them? Are are those expected to change at all? I know there's some pain points around static versus dynamic queries that it can only be done on a page. Yeah. So uh, Sid on the the core team has been working on a proof of concept of kind of a unified query in Gatsby. We're also, we, we shipped a while back something called schema customization, which allows you to do like you get a little more control over the Gatsby query instead of being uh, required to use whatever the um, whatever's inferred in the schema. Mm-hmm. So between those two things, we're hoping that that starts to unify things. The other thing too is we're really just trying to get to the point where unless you want to use GraphQL, you shouldn't ever have to see it. Mm. That data abstraction stuff that I talked about is going to play a big part in this because one of the things that we're working on that that schema customization unlocks mm-hmm. is the ability for like you as a developer can declare a generic post type, for example. So, you know, title, author, content, and yeah. then behind the scenes, you have an adapter. So you convert a WordPress post into a generic type and then the theme gets built on the generics. So that later you could swap out your adapters and use Markdown and the data source changes. But like you as a developer don't have to touch the GraphQL queries because the generics are already written. So effectively, you can just expect that all of your components are going to get a post object with a title date or title author and, and content. And you can just use that regardless of where the data came from. So we're trying to, you know, again, it's just a, another of that like progressive disclosure of complexity. You shouldn't have to deal with GraphQL at all. But we are going to be working to make the GraphQL interactions smoother. We really want to get static queries to the point where they they can be dropped in anywhere. 
and use variables. Cool. I know that's at least the, the current stated intention. We'll see if if that ends up being possible as we get further into the design. Sure. Yeah, because the way that works is very complex. There's a lot of like AST <laughs> parsing. And- yeah, it's it's not a hard thing to it's it's not an easy thing to solve, right? Like you think like oh just add <laughs> variables, right? But the because it's yeah. oh, statically it's generated, easy for us to say that. Yeah, just toss in the variables. That's cool. Just add an option. Yeah, yeah it just works. Yeah. Yeah, and and we the solutions we found that are easy add even more restrictions to the way that you can use them, which seems like a bad idea because now it's like not only does it work in a way that's not consistent across queries, but now it works in a way that's inconsistent across queries, and there are magic rules that you have to know. So we're trying to figure out how to how to solve that in a more robust way. Cool. All right, I think. Do you have anything else to to say, or or Scott, or Jason? I don't have anything. Yeah. No. I'm I'm happy. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into some sick picks. Sick picks are picks that are sick. Um, things that we love in our life. I don't know how to how to describe it. It's a sick pick. Do you have a sick pick for us today, Jason? Yeah, I have been um I've been talking about talking with you about this actually on Twitter. I just bought a Kamado Joe, one of those like yeah. big egg grills. And I have been absolutely loving that thing. And uh, like, I feel like it's one of those things where I bought it and I was like, this was a stupidly expensive thing to buy. And then I got it (laughs) home and I cooked, like I made pizza with it. I've done burgers and steaks and it all comes out so much better than when I try to do it in my oven or on my, on my uh, stove, like my stovetop. And so that, that is probably the thing I've been most excited about recently. Man, I love i so i've got a big green egg which is the like even more expensive version but the kamado joe <laughs> is the kamado joe like sort of swooped in and it's cheaper and they fix a lot of the design flaws that the big green egg has and it's just like so good it's it's the same thing at the end of the day you have charcoal and people always think like it's kamado joe versus uh big green egg but we're really together versus the uh trager <laughs> electric <laughs> pellet easy bake oven grill people <laughs> oh my god you know what the do you know what the trager is yeah when i when i bought the kamado joe they were trying to sell me one of those traggers yeah and they, I, I so just everyone and i was like everyone does that they're like that? oh i'm gonna get a smoker and then they come back with the and i know there's a lot of people listening that actually have these things especially now because joe rogan is uh now uh, advertising for them so everybody's going to get one uh, okay and uh <laughs> it's it's funny because it's not as romantic as like getting the charcoal and lighting it and the smoke and the it's like an art right and then the the trager is just you put pellets in and you plug it in and it goes and it, it makes amazing food, but you, you lose the, the sort of the romance of, of actually smoking <laughs> it. And we, I was saying the other day, it's like the instant pot of smokers where you just like, it, it's amazing. It's just, there's not a whole lot to it. <laughs> yeah. So, funny. And, and as an instant pot owner, I can, I can empathize with that. Like I love, you know, I feel like you have to opt into your complexity, like, <laughs> <laughs> like just pulling that back in. Like, I really like the work of using a charcoal grill. I really don't like the work of like minding a Dutch oven or something. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. It's, it's a funny place to go to, man. I forget what my sick pick was going to be. I'm just going to sick. Well, pick I'll take it big... up. I got a, I got a good theme here. I got to yeah. keep the theme going. Go for Mine it. is going to be, uh, Another thing that eases the complexity of something that could be considered a process, right? Uh, I'm People who listen to the show know I drink a lot of tea. Uh, one of the things that I use in my everyday life 24-7 is my Zojirushi water cooker. 
I guess it's a water boiler. That's the standard. I always call these things water cookers and like a tea kettle. I'd be like, where's the water mm. cooker? And my wife would be like, you mean the kettle? <laughs> I love saying cooker. Yeah. Yeah. The water cooker. It cooks, cooks the water. So this is OG Rushi. It, it basically, it boils the water. It keeps at a very specific temperature. I keep mine set to 175. Uh, although you, if you're like a very, you know, really intensely about it, there's actually one that allows you to set the exact temperature. This one is just as four temps. The one that I use, it's four liters. Keeps your water hot 24 seven. And I use it for not only tea, but I use it for like oatmeal in the morning. I pop open a bowl of oatmeal instead of having to cook up some water or microwave or anything. You just push a button and you get, 175 degree hot water to cook it, ready to eat. I, I This thing has made my life better every single day that I've owned it. And I've had it for maybe like two and a half, three years now. I absolutely love my Zojirushi. So great, great buy. If you're interested in tea or you need hot water on demand, this thing is really, really super slick. I'm going to keep going with the, the food thing here and, uh, and just sick pick, just a good thermometer. So mm, I think I need a new one. Part of why it scares people about cooking is that they're going to die by eating some sort of raw chicken or something like that. Or part of what scares people is that they're going to overcook something and it tastes disgusting. So a really good instant read thermometer, not one there's, you can buy them at like home outfitters or something like that. And they're like five bucks and they're, they're not good. Cause you have to sit there for, I don't know, like 30 seconds while the thing like gets up to speed, but an instant read thermometer will, it's not usually instant. It's within five or four or five seconds it will help you be a better cook because you'll know exactly where your, your food is at. You never have to do that thing where you cut open uh, a piece of meat to make sure it's not raw inside. And then you, you sort of ruin it because the juices start flowing out. So the best instant read thermometers you can get are called Thermapen. They're a hundred bucks. I found a pretty good alternative. That's, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks called the, what is it called? Mr. Sheffer. It's one of these like <laughs> knockoff stupid Amazon ones, but it works awesome. Now, I highly recommend you get some sort of decent thermometer, digital <laughs> instant read thermometer to make yourself a better cook. Wes, I'm going to be sending you a couple of Amazon referral bucks now because we need one of these. So I'm going to be picking one up. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Let me get my link for you. Don't buy it. Get your link, man. I'm going to get it. Get it. <laughs> oh, man. I, the amount of things that I've convinced Scott to buy and Scott has convinced me to buy is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about uh, shameless plugs, Jason? So I, I'm going to plug my weekly live stream. So every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, I get on and stream with uh, with somebody in the community live on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Jay Langstorff. We do all sorts of stuff like uh, this week. I'm going to get on with uh, Bram Adams from Algolia. We're going to add oh, cool. a search to a, to a site. I'm getting on with Sean Wang from Netlify. We're going to use Netlify functions. I'm going to do something with Airtable, do Airtable as a CMS. Uh, and then one that I'm really excited about. Oh, I, I meant to talk to you all about this. I'm going to get on with Henry Zhu, who runs. Uh, he's like the core maintainer on Babel, but he also runs mm -hmm. a podcast called uh, Hope in Source. And we started playing with a like Gatsby podcast theme that Amberly Romo built on our team. And she based it on the Hope in Source setup. And Henry and I are going to get together and stream like building out more functionality to it, including taking y'all's uh, podcast player 
oh. and turning it into something that that uh, yeah, we want to like turn it into a component that we can use inside the um, the thing. And we wanted to do the only feature that we wanted to add that yours doesn't have is we want you to be able to click a timestamp and jump to that part of the yes, the podcast. we need that too. Oh. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so yeah, we. Uh, I, I'll talk. I'll talk to you more about it offline. But I would love. We really. I'm really excited about that one because it's it's going to be really fun to build. Oh, that's nice. really cool. Well, yeah, super cool. We'll put a link. Make sure you send us a link. We'll put that in the show notes. Definitely. Cool. Scott, shamelessly plug your things. Shamelessly plug leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. Sign up to become a pro and you'll get access to the latest Level Up Tutorials courses, including uh, Pro Gatsby, which is one of the, not even one of the, it's not even like up for debate. It is the most popular course on Level Up Tutorials. So um, if you want to learn Gatsby, Pro Gatsby 2 is 26 videos to teach you Gatsby. However, if you want to learn React Native, the latest Level Up Tutorials course is going to be on React Native, and it's being taught by a guest instructor, uh, React Native expert, Spencer Carley. So I'm so excited about this series. And if you are interested in learning React Native, head on over to leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro and sign up today. Westboss.com forward slash courses has a list of all of my courses. You can buy one. You can get one for free. Uh, you name it. Check it out. Use the code coupon code syntax for 10 bucks off. That's Ooh. it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much, Jason, for coming and spending your time with us and schooling us yeah, on you. all that is Gatsby and Gatsby themes. I think this is really cool. I'm excited to see uh, where it heads over the next six months or so. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. And uh, and yeah. Just get awkward at the end is, is kind of my specialty. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up with a peace. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to say peace. 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 Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.